Hello there, and thanks for joining us here at Lion's Guide, where we empower you with the resources you need to reach heightened levels of success in your performance, leadership, and in business. On these episodes, we set out to explore the stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned. We also interview various subject matter experts and review books and other resources to help you establish clarity, have courage, and lead the way. I'm your host, Dale Walls, and I'm founder of Lion's Guide. And on this episode, we've got Matthias Giroux, a.k.a. Super Frenchie, who is a professional mountain athlete specialized in alpinism, steep skiing, and base jumping. He's a two-time world record holder of highest ski base jumps, along with other super impressive accolades almost too long to list. He's been highlighted in documentaries, uh, numerous publications. He's just doing some amazing feats, and I'm excited to talk about it today. So in this episode, Matthias takes us through the lessons he's learned in coming from a challenging home life as a child, yet still finding and pursuing a passion to become a professional despite the odds being against him. We talk about how regardless of his quote-unquote super title, that he's perfectly human and faced with the same fears, doubts, and criticisms as the rest of us. It was a conversation full of empowerment, and I'm honored to share it with you guys. So uh, before we get started, though, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. Also, make sure you head over to lionsguide.com, check out our free resources, including the latest ready sheet downloads, book reviews, community events, live streams, trainings, new courses, discounts on memberships, workshops, and a whole lot more. Especially if you're a business owner who wants to perform and lead at your highest level, head over to lionsguide.com and access our free resources today. With all that said, let's start the show. Welcome to another episode of the Lions Guy Podcast. And on today's episode, we have my friend Matthias Giroux, aka Super Frenchie, who is a professional mountain athlete specialized in alpinism, steep skiing, and base jumping. He's also a two times world record holder of the highest ski base jump, which we're going to talk about because this is new to me, but it's been fun to watch. He's also been highlighted as Men's Journal's uh, 50 Most Adventurous Men. Uh, GoPro's first viral video of an avalanche cliff jump, which we're going to uh, talk about as well. And Super Frenchy. Yeah, what's up? How are you? <laughs> appreciate you getting up early, uh, knocking this out today, man. Super happy to have you on, man. Give us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So, yeah, I'm, um, I'm a mountain athlete. I, I'm specialized in skiing and base jumping. So, um, Base jumping, for those who don't know, is jumping off, you know, a cliff or a building or an antenna, you know, with a or a bridge with a parachute. And uh, so it's free falling of static objects, pretty much. And um, and I've combined that for many years with skiing. And I started as a ski racer, started big mountain skiing, which is, you know, free ride skiing, jumping off cliffs and using whatever you can find on the terrain to, to have fun, you know, doing backflips and things like that. And then, you know, the landing starting to hurt. You know, like when you start to go above, you know, 50, 60 feet or 90 feet or whatever. And then I was like, I got to throw on a parachute. <laughs> and then by throwing on a parachute, I could not compromise anymore by, you know, trying to go small on skis because the landings hurt. Now I could go bigger than it ever could on skis because all of a sudden I had this contraption on my back that allowed me to survive uh, and ski unsurvivable lines technically and turn them into a playground. So, yeah, through... Um, 
mountain sports and combining them have been able to turn uh, treacherous environments into into playgrounds so it's been great <laughs> it's awesome man and you know so you came into the group right the the newly named the uncommon group <laughs> with yeah joel and jeff and and all the guys and i had i you know right wrong or different i hadn't heard of you and then like they were like hey welcome you know super frenchy blah blah i'm like super and then I get online and I'm like we're watching one of your videos and it's just you like just skiing down a mountain and all of a sudden it's like, whew, like you're out. And and I had no idea that was coming. Right. And, and man, it, I tell you, man, watching some of your videos, like especially um, in the movie Super Frenchie that that's uh, I watched it on Prime. Right. Super Frenchie, the documentary of kind of your whole story and the things that you're doing. Um, man, I'll tell you, your stuff. It's been one like I my stomach like my stomach drops on a couple of <laughs> those shots. Uh, there was one where you're like going off, and I guess for people not understanding even what I'm trying to say, like if you imagine someone skiing down a mountain and they just ski right off the side of the cliff <laughs> and they're gone, and so French Frenchie does this, but he's got a GoPro on it, so you're like living it, you know, and it's it's awesome. Man. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I could. Uh see your heart <laughs> <laughs> so what i guess tell me a little bit about your background and where you're from and kind of how you got to where you are now doing this so um wow you're gonna get the, the whole thing so uh, i was born in normandy in france in september 24th 1983 <laughs> so i was born in north france you know an hour from paris cow fields and everything right uh, my parents uh, my dad's from southwest of France, grew up in Aveyron, was born in 1939, you know, so I grew up hearing his war stories and mm -hmm. uh, my, my mother's Dutch, so bicultural household, you know, and kind of a crazy uh, family environment, you know, my, my mother was very much a overbearing, mentally abusive, emotionally abusive kind of lady, you know, so that came with these challenges. I had kind of like the easy side of it, honestly, compared to my sisters. I'm one of four kids because, um, you know, I was the youngest one, the only boy, kind of like the little prince of the family. So I can, I could kind of get away with everything that I wanted to do almost, you know. But um, the the the, uh, the family environment was very unstable, you know. And, um, well, it, it was very strange because my dad was a doctor, so I technically lived a privileged lifestyle. But it came at its, at, its, at its own cost, you know. And and it's not like, you know, you're the son of the doctor. It's not like you can go around and be like, life at home is crazy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like whatever, you're the son of the doctor. You get everything sure. you want, you know. And so I just kind of did my thing. And one of the fortunate things that I had, though, is my parents had a vacation home in the Alps. And so we spent every single holiday there. And in the summer, you know, my mom was not necessarily very nurturing. So she would just send me to the Alps. And I would just stay at friends houses and they were farmers and we just worked the fields with the kids and things like that you know so it's really cool because i became a mountain kid so that 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 unstable um suffocating household actually gave me a ton of opportunities outside of the household and so i naturally gravitated towards the outside influences that were outside of the house and i didn't reflect on the fact that it's me more now looking back as an adult more being like oh house was crazy and i looked at this and i was attracted to this but you know, when you're a kid, you just, your home is your home, right? Your parents are your parents, it's just the way it is. And that's, so I just, I always had, I was always, I think, um, 
empowered and 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 had this I don't know intrinsic desire to just go and create myself and just make things happen and I was infinitely drawn to the mountains mm. and so that's it then my parents moved to south of France um my dad was an ENT doctor so he took over a practice in south of France and then all of a sudden you know that was a lot harder he was 50 years old they couldn't afford the house in the house anymore they sold it and we're living in a little apartment so you know it's kind of like you know uh, on we're on a budget you know it was tricky but uh um for me there's no other questions like i had to be in the mountains so i just bugged my parents over and over again and eventually i got accepted to a ski racing team in the alps at 11 in chamonix they wouldn't let me go thinking i was too young and then i kept pushing and pushing and i was able to somehow qualify for the national championships through the ski school which is where just the tourists go skiing normally but i qualified enough for that to qualify for the ski school national championships and i got in the top 10 and that allowed me to enter the regular national championships of all the ski teams i didn't do great but at least i had my foot at the door right and then i kept doing it and doing it and doing it and then i entered a uh, ski racing team of nîmes which is another south uh, city in south of france and every sunday friday night sorry i would hop on a bus spend all night on the bus wake up at the ski resort go race all day come back on the sunday night do my homework and go to school on monday you know so i did that every weekend and what ski. age were you when like all this is going on uh 11 12 13 you know so yeah. just hungry and make it happen you know i was like i'm a skier this is what i'm gonna do in my life and um eventually at 13 it's because i just couldn't keep going with a rhythm like that it was it was also france so you know that wasn't super expensive you know it was really cheap to be in a ski team like that you have a lot of helps from towns and and local governments and things like that to support you know teams and athletic endeavors and stuff like that so that was a great thing skiing in north america is super expensive and crazy you want to race it's going to cost like three thousand dollars a freaking season you know and in france it was your fees for the ski team were like they were like 500 francs which is what not even 100 bucks for the season mm -hmm. you know so it's great and then uh at third but i just couldn't keep going like that you know and so it was just too much and so i'll send at 13 then but family friends that took me in as like my adoptive parents in the office like come and live with us and you can go to the uh, ski academy here and then i went to the ski academy in the alps and austin became a mountain kid at 13 14 and that year changed my life i just skied so hard i actually trained with two different ski teams because i knew i had technical deficiencies compared to the real mountain kids that skied way more than me i wasn't as good but i was more driven and i could take more than they could because yeah. i was i think i was more resilient you know they kind of they were born in this a lot of them took that for granted a lot of them were kids of ex-national champions or olympic champions or people from the national french ski team so it was almost expected of them to be great skiers and they were great skiers but they didn't have the fire it was i had sure. the fire and that made the difference so anyway which is kind of funny because out of all these kids in ski academy i'm the only one who turned pro and i'm the only one who wasn't born in the mountains so <laughs> <laughs> oh you remind me uh we talk about it often on here sometimes but like uh, there's a book by angela duckworth called uh, grit and she ends up pointing out that you know grit is a combination of 
passion and perseverance, right? There, there's certainly, you know, for, for high achievers, there's certainly a perseverance element, but she pointed out like the ones who really make it are the ones that are just the most passionate about it. Yeah. And as well are, are therefore most willing to persevere through the failures, the work, the challenges or whatever. So it sounds like as you described that, that's what it was reminding yeah. me of that. Like, you know, you had the most fire, you know, and you're willing to do whatever it took to get where you wanted to be on it. Yeah, I, I just, what do I think they threw away? I just took it on, you know, and, and our ski coach liked to test us, you know, he would be like, all right, so you got to tuck in in speed, like speed position, like, you know, going as fast as you can from the top of the mountain. You got to hit this jump there and then there. And a lot of the, half the time he would say this just to scare us. But I'd even question. I was like, all right, coach said we have to do that. He means that we can do it. And so I just drop in and do it. And I scared the hell out of him. He actually <laughs> even called my parents in. He was like, you got to tell Matthias to slow down because he's not even scared, but he's scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was, I think for me, it was more than just passion and resilience. It was also, obviously it was passion, but um I was so eager to just make it happen because this is what I want to do with my life. But also I had a chip on my shoulder. I wasn't a mountain kid and that just created extra fire. And uh, yeah. And for me, it was just, I think, especially at a young age, you're kind of looking for acceptance. You kind of want to be belong to a group, you know, now I really, you know, I'm, I've just, <laughs> I became kind of like a lone wolf. I just kind of do my thing, you know, and then, Come back to the community and then go do my thing you know what i mean it's more like yeah. max from where, where the wild things are just go ah, go crazy and come <laughs> back but at that time as a kid you know you you're kind of looking for acceptance and belonging in that year i just wanted to i just wanted to make earn my spot not just be accepted earn my spot as a mountain kid and were, uh, were you getting much pushback from the mountain kids by for not uh, being one a little bit at first when i showed up on my first day in school a kid in school uh, who actually is still one of my really good friends in the Alps now, but he came up to me and he was like, what the fuck are you doing here? You're not from the mountains. You're from South of France. And my mind is like, well, first of all, I'm not from South of France. Like, I hate it, South of France. It smells like lavender and it sucks when all you dream about are the Alps, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I'm, 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 but I'm not going to tell my whole life, like, no, I'm born in Normandy. My mother's Dutch, my dad's from South of You know, it's like, no. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I was like, well, my only response was, well, yeah, I wasn't born here. But let's go skiing, you know. And when I went skiing, they were like, God damn, it's not pretty, but damn, he has balls. You know, that's the thing. I was so freaking hungry. And I think I had a lot of courage just because I just, I was so eager that for me, it was just, it was mandatory to go as hard as I could, mm. no matter what the cost would be. So. Was, the, was the home life, um, you know, it sounds like the home life, necessitated your own independence was that like a, a a driver for you as well like that that put, put you out there like in wanting to be there more uh, i don't know if i'm asking a question well but like you know were you dwelling on it like like the home life with with your mom or whatever it was was that like in the back of your mind or were you out there in the mountains and it was an escape from that or what Later on, a little bit when I was more a teenager, when you reflect on things, right? But I think I already had, I think there was like, there was an opportunity there because it's also naturally who I was. I was very independent always. You know, at five years old, like I, I threw on my ski gear and walked to the ski shop by myself, like a kilometer, threw my ski gear on and then went to, checked in into ski lessons by myself, like. I didn't want anybody to hold my hand at five, you know, 
And uh, so I've always had that desire to just be on my own, you know, and do my thing. And uh, and it's also like, you know, we all, we all, we all want love, yarn for love, right? And I think I didn't have that. I had, it's weird because I had an affectionate mom, but he wasn't love. He was more like a tool of control, you know what I mean? So I think I really, for me, I think for me, passion is, yeah, it was, it was, it was the love for what I do, the love for the mounds, and you know, eventually, you know, like the love for for someone who's super important as well, right? But uh, but for me as a kid, it's just like it was just yeah, true love for the mounds, and and I think yeah, the home environment just fed that independent spirit even more. Right. Yeah, that's what it sounds like for sure. Yeah. It, was there anyone that you know absent? You know that that home environment that might be a little bit more storybook or traditional right what was there anyone that was influencing you like in this direction that was that you would find really influential in your path well i think journey? i that's the thing it's kind of like if 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 you don't have a, a suitable home life a lot of the time um you 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 end up having you, you end up having your developing your own family in a way mm -hmm. you know and I was super fortunate to have amazing mentors or people that took me under their wing. I don't know if it was because they saw potential or because I was just this kid with a lot of fire and always a big smile. And, you know, like, I mean, a smile can hide many things, but I always showed up, you know, with, with a good attitude and, and eagerness and, and relentless energy. So they were like, oh, cool. Well, let's take on this kid, you know? Yeah. And maybe some of them knew enough or were perceptive enough to be like, well, shit, he's got all that fucked up side on thing on the side, and I, I don't know. I was, I was too young to reflect or realize on the, this, you know. I did, when looking back, I, I can think of a couple of people that were probably like feeling bad. Mm. I'm like, okay, let's just take care of that kid, you know. Sure. And uh, but I, bottom line is, whatever the motivation was, I was super fortunate to have a lot of outside positive influences and people taking me under their wing. And you know, it's, it's. I mean, we can't do it alone. Yeah, know? yeah. You got to be well, a guide, but you also have to have the courage to let others guide you. And that's super important. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lesson, you know, my oldest is, is 13 now and it's a lesson I, I, I try to impart on him, which is this is that, and the more you show that you want it and you're willing to work, it seems like the more people will be willing to help you. Right. Like, you know, it, it especially as a, as a youth coach now, right. I, I, you can see it, right the coaches and the coaching staff will be drawn to the kids that demonstrate they want it, right? Like they, they just want to be here. They want to put in the work and that's, you know, that's attractive, even as like a coach student type of thing. And, and I try to explain that to the kids like, man, you get up here and put up, man, like the world will rally behind you because we want to see you succeed too. And yeah. um, as opposed to the kid that's got the bad attitude or really like ho-hum or, or whatever, yeah. um, you know, like it's it's like we almost don't want to invest our energy there because they aren't even demonstrating that they want it and then someone like you it's like showing that you want it that whether it was empathy to your situation i would say it's probably more so like the admiration of your drive and wanting to see like how far <laughs> you can go you know yeah i mean it's it's perhaps yeah no thank you and i i i i don't know if i'd go as far as admiration but i guess maybe it was endearing to them you know sure and they're like fuck yeah, let's do something. You know, this kid, exactly. wants, this kid wants to go and he's going to go no matter what. And yeah, I always had that, you know, even still now 
I'm all, I'm 38 years old and I still have this drive. I remember when I started skydiving, like even some instructors were like, fuck dude, this kid. I started base jumping at only 44 skydives and you supposed to have a hundred to 200. So I was way underqualified, <laughs> but coming from skiing, you know, I, I, I could do double backflip on skis and I had aerial sense and I could jump big cliffs and stuff. So I knew how to manage my body in the air, but yeah, I think a lot of people were like, especially there was one, one guy, Adam Buckner, you know, who was one of my instructors at Skydive New Mexico. That's where I learned to jump when I was going to school in Colorado. It was the closest drop zone. So I drove through the desert for four hours in my little Saab 900, you know, that I bought for 500 bucks and just <laughs> barely made it the drop zone and packed parachutes to pay for jumps. And one of the reasons why I couldn't get all the jumps that I wanted on time for my projects was also because I, I didn't have the cash, you know, and, uh, one day I go to settle the bill, you know, for my jumps of the day. And I was like, shit, I don't, I don't even know if I have enough money in my account. And I show up at the desk and, uh, and the, the manifest, the guy's like, oh, no, first you, you're taken care of. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I probably owe you guys a hundred, 150 bucks. He's like, you might want to go thank Adam. And I'm like, what? So I walk over to Adam and Adam's like, yeah, man, I just want to help you out. I just don't want you to die base jumping. And, uh, you know, being an instructor, I have all these account the credit on my account and so i just uh threw some some of my credit your way to pay for your jumps and it's like adam that that's huge thank you you know he paid maybe for four or five jumps that day but that was that touched me so much because the instructor was paying for the jump of his students that never happens you know and and still to this day he's a close friend he's always helping me out when i when i need some you know to track some gear some specific stuff whatever he's very involved in the skydiving community and he still helps me you know and uh, i remind him of that story often and he was like yeah man i just i just didn't want you to die you know and so that's another example of a person just but you know he didn't tell me oh hold on Frenchie, you're going too fast he, he didn't it wasn't discouraging me to take on all these big challenges he was trying to help me any way he could, you know, to increase my chances of survival and success. And that he is, you know, one of, 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 of several people, he stands out obviously, but he's one of several people that really, you know, did a ton for me. And I, yeah, I, I was always super humbled and, 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 um, it's an overused word, but grateful as well, you know? And, uh, um, yeah, I, I think I was super fortunate to have all these these amazing people taking me under their wing. But I think mainly part of it is now because I, you know, when you get mentored, your duty is to pass it on. So I try to help on as many people as I can, you know, and you get to do that, right? And I think maybe one of the things that was fitting their code, because that's what fits my code now too, is I help someone, especially if they don't, don't act entitled. And I never acted entitled, you know. I was like, for, it was almost the opposite. It was like, I might not be worth it, but, or have the skills, but I'm fucking hungry and I want to make it happen, you know? Yeah. And, but I wasn't asking for pity either. So sure. there was this balance, you know? And I think I, I, I see that in some people too. And I try to help out as well as much as I can, because people help me along the way. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I love it, man. The, like, what do you think is like, uh, amongst your journey so far, like what are, what is the, or what are some of the more major challenges you had to overcome, you know, whether it's intrinsically or you know or introvert like mentally or physically or what um well i think it's always a balance no matter what challenge you take on it's always a battle of of of, of a challenge of mental physical and emotional you know and uh the mental side 
obviously when you take on something super dangerous well you know wrap your hand or your head around it and be able to elaborate a strategy to be able to get it on mm. physically you gotta get ready but it's also overcoming injuries you know i've had probably over 30 broken bones and you don't crash often in what i do but when you crash a lot of stuff goes you know so i've had to overcome significant injuries um and uh and then the emotional side you know obviously growing up and i'm a super sensitive person too you know and uh i think i was i was hiding that a lot out of self-preservation through extra exuberance and so people would be like wow that dude is fucking crazy and it's kind of like you kind of weed out people this way you know either like people that want to go a little beyond that you know you you kind of want to let them in and uh People that just stop at this, you kind of know you want to keep them at a distance. And, and so you're being, saying that you're sensitive to how other people react to you or treat you? I or think this, but I'm just sensitive as a person. You know what I mean? Like I, I could take things too hard very easily and things mm -hmm. like that, which is also part of the drive, you know, like you um, you get triggered, you know, easily, you know, and, and are you super responsive to your environment? I don't want to say necessarily triggered. That's not necessarily the right definition, but super responsive to my environment you know you can you 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 feel the love but you feel the pain too you feel the sadness like you feel it all but the thing is i never try to shy away from that for me it's almost like i always i was very sensitive but i always wanted to feel even more you know and because for me it was you know i always thought that emotions are there to empower you not impair you you just mm -hmm. gotta learn to digest them and accept them and mm -hmm. that's definitely something i think that i understood at an early age uh but it's it's overwhelming when you're a teenager and your foundational years to understand your emotions it's a lot to take on you know so i think that was some of the challenges and then also you know digesting you know my family history and my sister committed suicide when i was 18 she was 27 you know i recognized mm -hmm. the body all this stuff so you know some family tumultuous family history and personal trauma and then also taking on some big challenging cha challenges sorry it's an emotional roller coaster so i think the biggest challenges were probably uh the emotional side and uh but then you know the because the physical and the mental side is just it just finds its place once you have your goals right you know he who has a why to live for can bear almost anyhow so that's it so you have direction you do what it takes to get there and i'm kind of one of those guys i don't have the military background that you have i i really admire guys from you know special forces or do some you know very demanding high risk things because but Think for me it's kind of like the the legionnaires code you know from the french foreign legion is la mission est sacré you l'exécute jusqu'au bout you know the mission is sacred you carry it out to the end and i think it's it's very military like which i'm not a military guy of course but i i think for me that was it it's like i from an early age it's like i'm gonna get the mission done no matter what it takes and that's it so yeah that's it that's that that's a perseverance and then i love it man I, and I, I love like you're just you're you are that like you know i see that i've saw that since since i've come so come across you and come to know you like you are just on a mission like even yesterday checking in you're like yeah i just just landed you know and in, in training and i guess the the other thing i wanted to acknowledge of you man is like um coming to know you like it's not like x games jackass kind of like just wild you know, uh, reckless, like you were super professional. Like you were, when it comes to, it comes to your craft, like you, you I don't mean like you're super fun and you love this and, and you put your love on display, 
but you know, I've definitely seen how you're very serious about it. You know, you're very <laughs> meticulous and very professional. Like, you know, it's not, it's not wild and crazy. I mean, your current project, um, which I guess we'll mention here now, like the adrenaline sucks. You're like, look, it's not about like seeking the adrenaline, you know? So speak a little bit about like, yeah, uh, I think for me, it's, it's also the, these different stages, right? You know, you when you're a young, explosive teenager, you know, I was the guy that's very much jackass like, oh, so you, guy, you know, like taking you're up saying you matured from that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the thing is also positioning of stuff, right? You know, I always wanted to be the crazy guy. I think I was the crazy guy, but at the same time, it was a process of self preservation, too, you know. and. I'd be the kid showing up at school and blowing up a condom on my head while I'd be just doing like on a skateboard, like hauling ass through people while screaming like an animal. <laughs> you know, like I was like, yeah, I like the attention. You know, it was fun. But I think the attention was also a way to keep people at bay a little bit too, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe it's like the, the Chris Farty thing, you know, being a little out there, crazy, but at the same time, you just, you know, like overwhelmed a lot. Right. So, uh, but I was always, um, attracted to irreverence and exuberance you know i that, that's a part of me you know for a while i had like you know super bright pink hair or red dreadlocks or mohawk or you know i have tattoos things like that you know i like that stuff but but it also understood that what i wanted to take on and even at a nerdy age was unforgiving and could be very gruesome especially growing up in the alps you know one person dies every three days in the mountains you know mm -hmm. I, I lost a lot of friends and know a lot of people that got really really messed up you know and so yeah no matter how exuberant you are you know that well when it's time to go you know shit gets real and you get mm -hmm. you better be prepared so i understood that from early on that i had to be prepared and be and and, and fine-tune my craft mm -hmm. and uh i had a big crash in 2013 you know spent three days in a coma i had double fracture my femur it was before the birth of my son uh, you know brain hemorrhage and all that and uh and after that it was on the road, rebuilding myself as an athlete, I replaced explosiveness with uh, consistency and meticulous attention to details. And that's how I do things. You know, we, we, I keep saying that, you know, we're dumb creatures of habits. So you just, you, you become what you do. And so if you just, for ski racing, it was like that too. I always, the sections where I knew I struggled, I practice them over and over again, like the double, triple gates, or you know, the carrying as much speed through the flats to be able to not lose time, things like that. And again, because maybe I knew I had a chip on my shoulder, and I knew that technically I wasn't perfect, but I knew I could overpower people in other segments of this, and so I had to make it work and create my own special mix. And the only way to special create my own special mix was to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. So that's what I did. Yeah. You can tell in the, in a couple uh, movies I've seen of you just just that very f fact, and I guess when it comes to the things like seeing, you know, loss of friends, these injuries, or even your own accident. And is is the thirteen one the one that was in uh, the Super Frenchie documentary where you? Yeah, like, yeah, that's the yeah. big the big crash I had in the Super Frenchie movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, that was wild. It, 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 has any of that ever caused you to kind of second guess? where you're at or how far you want to go or, or continuing on? Of course. I mean, you know, it's, it's doubting means you care. We all doubt, you know, and, and I think that's maybe, you know, the super Frenchy name is, is funny because it's, it's a name that someone, you know, gave to me at a ski competition, but it's also kind of like a, uh, 
it's kind of a good joke because obviously I'm not a superhero. Nobody mm -hmm. is, you know, it's kind of like you think you're a superhero and just, you know, you know, fake it till you become it in a way, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like what the super Frenchy thing is. It's kind of like, it's a ridiculous nickname, but it's kind of what it is. Like I, I always that I am the person who I'm probably one of the people that you'll meet who overthinks the most. Mm -hmm. I overthink so much until it's go time and then I'm going to freaking go and I'm going to get this thing done, you know? And once I commit, I freaking commit, you know, but be leading everything leading to that. It's mentally just draining and emotionally draining and physically generally brutal, you know, to get there, you know, some jumps that I do, sometimes I wait for eight years to do it and it takes me two days to climb to, to get to where I want to go and ski with 50 pounds in your back. So it's not easy. <laughs> and it comes, with all kinds of struggle. And so I doubt a lot. And uh, after my big crash, uh, yeah, I, I questioned whether I should pursue my vocation, but also realized it was, it was a test to my dedication in itself. And mm -hmm. doubting means that you're, you're reassessing and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, when you hear people saying, oh, quitters don't quit, it's like, well, sometimes you gotta freaking quit to be able to get your mission done, you know? And I don't hesitate to turn around now, you know? I, I replaced, over determination more with omnipresence in the mountains and and omnipresence requires an element of doubt because you're analyzing you know analysis comes with pragmatism and and uh you know that over you know uh, that 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 overthinking or that element of that emotional roller coaster when you take on a big challenge can affect your pragmatism and uh and so that's that's why i yeah i always doubt Doubting is very good, you know, because that's also what's going to keep you alive. <laughs> sure. If you're not it because you doubt that you means that it means that you giving up on the idea, but you also have to be ready to sometimes, you know, give up to maybe come back or to be like, no, that's not the right thing to do. You know, it's, I thought it would be lining up, but it's okay. We're humans. You know, we got to just, uh, we got to check in with ourselves in our mind, you know, in our environment, you know, quite often in order to, to survive and thrive most importantly you know, not just survive. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you're saying, you know, they kind of throw it back at you, right. You're saying that like your doubts lead you to reaffirm what you're looking at or not, not second guess, but basically kind of do some additional analysis to, to kind of confirm it or affirm what you're doing or go. Yeah, actually I missed that. That line's not what yeah. I thought it or hoped it would be. Exactly. And I think the same thing can be applied to everything, you know, like your, your private life, your, your relationship, your professional life. I would say, you know, it on the line is first you gotta establish the frame. And if you're not happy with the frame, reframe. It's not that complicated. But the only way to reframe is to be able to um be sharp and 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 uh, one great way to do that is to apply uh, to avoid decision fatigue. That's something that I learned from our friend Thor. You know, it's when you have too many options at your fingertips, well, it deteriorates your decision making. And so you have 25 things in your mind, well, narrow it down to three. What are the top three things you need to focus on? You know, and, and that avoiding decision fatigue will allow cognitive reframing. It will allow you to turn a negative into a positive or to stay sharp under a situation and to reframe. And that's super important. So that ability to reframe is super important, you know, and no matter what you do, whether you're flying a fighter jet or or you changing a tire on your car that you just blew on the way to school to go drop your kid, <laughs> or whether you're getting ready to jump off the Iger with a wingsuit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, 100%, man. And what about, so we, that's a bit about you dealing with it mentally, but how about 
you know, maybe critics or, or friends or family that are kind of, you know, how do you deal with that? Like, I'm sure there's, there's gotta be some, you know, objection at times or especially something like that accident. Like how, how are you dealing with any kind of external? Well, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of criticism or things that you're going to get. It's either, um, it generally materializes two things, um, misunderstanding or, or, uh, or, or worries, you know, and it's either people are worried about you or they just don't understand you sometimes both, you know? And so the way I deal with it is try to be as, yeah, sometimes if I'm, you know, I don't want to dig in, I'm just going to be irreverent and be like, well, that's what I do no matter what, you know, and just deal with it. You know, a lot of the time people push on their own insecurities on you, you know, and, and it's, let's say the, the existentially stagnant will always make the driven feel bad about themselves. And, you know, that just happened to you on social media with somebody like, you know, calling you out for being too hardcore. It's like, well, in the end, it's not you being too hardcore, the problem. It's them not being able to deal with you being too hardcore. <laughs> so, right. you know, so an easy way to go about it is to be like, fuck him. But for me, I'm, I'm kind of a pleaser, you know, and I do, I can't take things too hard as a sensitive person. And this is why I like to break down and explain things. And when I do that, it still doesn't resonate, doesn't register. Then I'm like, sorry, I can't do any more for you. Like I took sure. the time, which is also why I worked on that new documentary coming out called Adrenaline Sucks. Because people keep calling me an adrenaline junkie or daredevil. It's the exact opposite of what we do. It's complete. It shows a complete lack of education and misunderstanding, you know, from from the audience or from mainstream people that are like, oh, well, you're a daredevil. It's like, well, part of me is that's probably mean, but part of me wants to be well, well, you're a dumbass, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I can't, <laughs> I can't say that because you know some of these people really mean well. They just didn't spend time to reflect on the subject. So. One night he came pouring out of me. I just broke down the whole process of what it's like to take on those mountain challenges, you know, through skiing, base jumping. And then I occasionally surf big waves too. I can't call myself a big wave surfer, but a couple times a year I have the chance to um, go out with a couple of friends that are well-versed in that area and just trust my decision-making under crisis situations. And they help me surf, you know, a couple 30-foot waves a year, you know, which is awesome. But, but yeah, I... I I try to constructively break down that whole adrenaline sucks. And I do a fair amount of speaking engagements as well. And that's what I do. You know, I spend the time to explain my journey and break it down and show the vulnerable side, but also the driven side. And then, you know, it's ethos, pathos, logos, you know, and uh, what is the meaning? What is the passion? And what are the, the key lessons you can learn from it? And that's what I, I try to share my journey as constructively as possible to hopefully um, inspire people but more empower them to mm -hmm. to go and, and take on whatever they want to take and for me breaking down that you know just setting the record straight about what i do and why i do it and how i do it was very um important to me to uh, to chip away at this fake image that has been built and imposed to to everyone as 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 being a drawing junkies and daredevils because it's that's not what we do you know i so, actually kind of don't really care about the rush anymore the more i do it the more i'm like sometimes it's fun but the more i'm just like yeah whatever you know like so, i so i seek serenity why do you why do you do what you do what do i do what i do <laughs> because of um you know 
for me, it was, first of all, it was, you know, passion. I remember being yeah, a nine-year-old boy and, and being so inspired by mountain people. And especially growing up in the Alps, you you either witness some of the, the heroes and the legends or you hear about what they've done. And I remember being a, a kid, like, whoa, that is absolutely crazy. Like, how could they do something like this? But for me, it wasn't crazy as putting a separation. It was a crazy of admiration. And I wanted to understand how they could do it because I think secretly deep inside, I wanted to do it. And at nine years old, I, I saw a movie that showed, you know, extreme skiers, snowboarders, skydivers, base jumpers, like the guys that did it all in the mountains. And I was like, that's it. That's, that's, the, that's the tribe I belong to. I just need to earn my place. Mm. So it was this desire, you know, early on. But it's also for me, uh, I think these men represented my you know, looking for outside influences outside of my home. I think these guys represented my archetype of manhood, you know, people that had the courage to do whatever it takes to uh, honor their passions, no matter how dangerous. Mm. And for me, um, accepting the risk was very compelling. You know, I'm sure that's how a lot of wannabe fighter pilots, you know, felt when they watched the first, you know, uh, Top Gun. They were like, dude, that Maverick guy, you know, like that made them want to fly like air. You know, it's, it's, the power of art you know and uh i think because it exposed this this non community and for me so that's that was the first trigger you know and it was really an interesting desire um but then when i was 18 years old you know my sister committed suicide i recognized the body gave the news to my sisters which was being the messenger was the worst thing ever you know it's mm -hmm. still i was still crying about it last week you know and that's been 20 years ago you know and uh but it was a very empowering and inspiring moments uh, because you know trauma is just as important as moments of joy as long as you embark on the quest of fulfillment you know through the best thing you can wish to someone is to be self is to be you know to self-actualize and to be fulfilled you know if you fulfilled every emotion or every beautiful moment or hard moment will find its place and and for me yeah coming back from the funeral of my sister it's, it's the day i committed to uh, to my goals you know i wanted to base jump i wanted to do all these things skiing or jumping or or, or or surfing eventually big waves and things like that and it's the day when i when i committed to uh reaching my goals no matter how dangerous so mm -hmm. i think a lot of it was intrinsic desires uh inspiration through absorption of what others did and then uh self-creation triggered by trauma I think that's that's the reasons behind it. I think that's why I do what I do because for me, uh, I think passions are the meaning of our existence. You know, and and there's no if you if you live a passionless life, well, you're not living life at all. Hey guys, Dale here, and I wanted to take a quick break to invite you to join the launch of the Lions Guy community called the Pride. You see, whether it was at work dealing with the demands of the day or maintaining the demands of my life at home, I always seemed to feel like my struggles were unique. Like somehow I was the only one struggling to find joy amidst all the weight that I felt I was carrying each day. And you know what I've come to realize is that we all have our struggles that we're up against and it's pretty demanding. The only way to rise to those demands is to decide and make the change to adopt a growth mindset, to be what I call a high performer. And that's why I started Lions Guide. I want to help you break through to the next level of you and your ability to not only meet, but exceed those demands on you and in doing so, find your joy again. 
If you're a growth-minded individual ready to make a change, then I'm here for you. And this is how you get started. I invite you to visit lionsguide.com and sign up to join the Pride. The Pride is the Lions Guide community for growth-minded members like you. Once signed up, you'll get special access to all the free content and resources I'm putting out there. You'll also be invited to join my live online events where I host sessions on personal growth and high performance. You'll also be able to engage with other growth-minded members on our private online group. Also, if you enjoy the podcast as a member, you'll get access not only to all the podcasts, but also the podcasts that have been yet to be released. So get access to all this and more. So break out of that rut, break into your next level, and join me on lionsguide.com, and let's grow together. Go to lionsguide.com and become a member of the Pride today. Now back to the show. I I heard a quote from you, something to the effect of like, you can't let fear stand in the way of your dreams. And I was like, wow, you know, like, so that said, right. Are, are you fearless? <laughs> I'm the most scared person you've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> I, I overthink I'm, I'm, I'm terrified all the time. I think my relationship with fear has evolved over the years, you know, um, it's either fear can be a wall or it can be a propeller, mm. you know? And, um, it's not a propeller if you ignore it, because if you ignore it, it's just you're just canceling it out, right? You're just neutralizing it. Whereas fear is actually, I always say fear is your best friend. It's the most one of the most powerful emotions out there. It's the only emotion that'll trigger your full potential, right? Mm-hmm. It'll make you do the right things under the right situations if you train for it, right? We don't rise to the we don't rise to the situation, we fall back to our level of training, you know. Right. And I've definitely done that, you know, like I I, I rushed up in situations and I got away with it because uh, somehow some of my skills or athletics from other areas kind of could save my ass into a certain area, you know, like wingsuit flying. I'm really diligent about it now, for example, because I just did it on and off for years and never took it seriously. And so I was never great at it. And now I'm actually putting in my time to be good at it because I want to. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't remember where I was going to go with this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you were, you're, you're saying that, um, you know, I, cause I've learned that courage. And so one of the reasons I just brought it into mm-hmm. the lion's guide theme was like, it was, fear. Yeah, it, it yeah. was courage. Yeah. yeah. You were talking about, uh, fears and courage and like you, and you said something there like courage, um, you know, fear lets you go excel or, or I can't quote exactly at this moment, but like, you know, and, and what I learned courage to be was that, um, doing the right thing despite your fears. Right. And like courage as the virtue, you know, and, you know, in your case, you know, you're, you're not fearless, but you're letting your fear show you exactly where you want to take your passion in a way. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so now I remember what I was going to go with this. It's like, yeah, so my relationship with fear changed over the years, right? I first kind of ignored it, you know, in my immature years. In my years of creation, then I try to just manage my anxiety, which made me think that I was just managing my fear. And then now I just fully accept it. But it's not that I just accept fear. I accept every emotion. Like I just take it on, you know. And just yesterday again, you know, just jumping, I'm overthinking, I'm scared, and I'm just, I'm breathe. I always say that I breathe in the fear, you know, just mm-hmm. let it connect your mind with your body, you know. And uh, it's 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 fear is a Fear is an enabler to, to, uh, to trigger your best abilities, you know, and you just got to let it just seep in through your veins, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just being like, well, okay, yeah, nobody's fearless. And everybody who tells you that is just full of shit or they just right. lack introspection, you know, sure. and, uh, you know, it, it's, 
someone I really respect, but like, you know, Andy Goggins, for example, you know, he's steward, you know, and this and that. And I, I, I agree with, and I really like a lot of the stuff he does and his drive. Right. But I, I disagree with a lot of his approach on things, you know, and it was something when he described jumping out of a plane, he's like, yeah, you just grab on your fear and you go and this and that's like, no, no, no. It's the worst thing you can do in skydiving, <laughs> man. Like you will be able to do it by doing it like that, but you, you will never excel at it. The only way to excel at something is to just find serenity in, 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 in very stressful situations. And, and the only way to do that is to do it over and over again and to really spend the time to accept every single emotion. You know, I refuse to say that I'm a badass motherfucker out there when I go and jump. You know, that's not what I do at all. I think I'm like, I'm a serene motherfucker, you know? Like, I just get there and just like, when, when I go, boom, you're just connected, you're sharp, but you chill, but you're very intentional at the same time, you know? Intention uh, can only be super efficient when you find a level of serenity, you know, and, and, and peace, and that's super important. You know, I'm not the guy who's going to be like, yeah, I got to be hard and do it. It's like, no, you know, I, I was like that at some point, you know, but now I just, no, no, I, I, yeah, I want to be more like a, I don't know, almost like a, a flying yogi in a sense, <laughs> you know, that's it. You know? <laughs> um, no, and look, man, I like, this is a, an area that I admire because I think like, there's these certain personalities that seemingly are one dimensional, right? Like to your point, like to stay hard all the time. But like, even as you say that, and what I've seen of you as an example, like the, your range, right? And I'll say like a, a, a singer has a range, right? Yeah. You know, and I think as far as you as a, as a high performer, you've got a range of, you can have a ton of fun, you know, you can get wild and crazy and, 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 and run naked down the trail. Like you were talking about yesterday, we saw in super Frenchie. Um, and you can, uh, be the, you know, uh, very strategic and intentional, you know, athlete. And you can also be that calm, like, like there's not just go hard, be crazy. Like that's my, one dimensional approach to everything. Like you've got range, you know, and, and you apply well, it appropriately. I, I, thank you. And I appreciate it. I think it's important to have range because you be, otherwise you become a parody of yourself. Mm. And, and I've been a parody of myself at some point. I think every high achieving person said, Oh, that's the formula. I just stick to the formula. It's like, no dude, the formula, it gets fine tuned. The recipe gets better and better with age, but you just got to have the honesty and the diligence to, um, to explore the recipe and that comes with a lot of introspection and uh and and reframing yeah what did um you know becoming a father how did that change or did it change your approach to what you do um it made me want to go extra hard at the time um now it's taking on a different place uh, when um for me, it was also, it was a very frustrating process. Like I loved my son, and I was very involved as a uh, I you know as a father. Uh, I, I still am, you know. Obviously, that will never go away. Like I I wanted to be I had a high expectation as a father for myself, but at the same time, I became a father right after a big crash when I had to rebuild myself. Mm. And then, as a result, that also affected my relationship at home, which was you know, uh, and 
that you know and all of a sudden it just kind of becomes a big blur of you know a relationship that is becoming unfulfilling and then fatherhood becoming a hindrance when you're trying to reach your goals and rebuild yourself it was just too much at once i didn't really take uh, I didn't really have, uh, I don't want to say I didn't have the maturity. I just didn't have the, uh, uh, I, I didn't have the, I don't want to say that I didn't have the opportunity. I had the opportunity. I just, I don't think I had the the mindset or the maturity maybe at the time to really be able to take all that stuff on and really embrace it. You know, so for me, like going extra hard and rebuilding myself and getting it done no matter what was more like my way of doing it. But at the same time, I did find a meaning in that too, to be able to show my son what it means to live intentionally you know uh uh but i still again did a lot of stuff with my son would help help me really bond really tremendously with him you know we we're very very close we do a ton of stuff together because for me i think fatherhood is pointless without mentorship you know mm. and uh i really found the value of fatherhood for me in mentorship mm. you know like putting food on the table and keeping a roof over your head is 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 commendable but but for me, it's just like, yeah, whatever. If that's all fatherhood entails, like, it sucks, you know? So, but like for me, really taking on that that role of, of mentor and guide for my son, teaching him to ski, taking him skateboarding, even though I'm a horrible skateboarder, he's like, he's far exceeded my ability at skateboarding. He's an amazing skateboarder already at nine. You know, he's dropping bird ramp and doing kickflips and 360s and, and he's smooth and so poised about it. And I love watching him skateboard. You know, I took him, we go skateboard, we go surfing and it's almost like he became like a little brother, you know, and yeah. we do a lot of cool stuff together while allowing him to bloom on his own. It's like, you don't need to be a super Frenchie 2.0, you know, be yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know it could be very overbearing and very challenging to have a father who's a pro because there's social pressure and stuff like, I'm not putting that pressure on him because I don't want to, it's unnecessary, but I do put pressure on him to, do well at whatever he chooses to do. Otherwise you're wasting your time. Right. There's no point, you know, to do something just to do it. It's 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 just gonna be another story of celebration and mediocrity, which which is not acceptable in my book. But if this is what you someone wants to do with their life, that's fine. You know, I'm I'm not here to impose my views on someone. I'm here, but I'm here to guide my son. Yeah. And so now fatherhood has really um it's really it really happened on on the climb to Mont Blanc. When I was about to ski base on the top, super technical jump with zero air margin. I'd been thinking about it for eight years. Um, it was really, it was in 2019, which was really the year of the Phoenix for me. This is really when I re freaking grew from my ashes from crashing, you know, six years prior. And uh, I used to never think about my son when I'd be in the mountains or taking on a challenge because it was a weakness. It made me soft. It made me, making me soft was, you know, a pathway to getting hurt or dying. And so I just, I chose to compartmentalize, but compartmentalization is only a short-term survival mechanism. You can't operate under compartmentalizing all the time. Otherwise your whole life will fall apart. Mm. And, and for me on the climb to Mont Blanc is the first time I was thinking about my son so much in a conversation we had. And at each step, you know, I was thinking of the words that he mentioned, it was just resonating in my head. And, and he was actually, used the first time I realized he was empowering me, empowering me to reach my goals as an individual. And, uh, and now we, yesterday, you know, he was at the drop zone. He was just at the landing area, you know, he would skateboard and then play with his, you know, <laughs> you know, watch a movie on his phone or play on his little Nintendo switch and then come and watch some jumps. And I remember being in the plane and jumping out and, you know, me, I always kept him away a little bit from, from jumping. I never, you know, hid it from him, but I never took on, took him to jumps, whatever. It was kind of like a distraction that I didn't need. Mm. And the last few days, this was the first time that I'm jumping with him there. And I'm like, well, don't fuck up, man. You don't want to 
plow into the ground in front of your kid and traumatize him for life if something wrong happens. So you got to stick it extra hard, you know, like you got to be perfect. And uh, yeah, and as I landed, it was, you know, smooth landing, beautiful flight. And he's like, he's like, Papa, that was a beautiful landing. Nice work. You know, I was like, oh, thank you. You know, <laughs> and so uh, fatherhood has, um, it's made me um, sharper, I think. And uh, I think more, even more intentional, I think. You know, I think a lot of people give up on what they want to do as they become parents because they think it's just honorable to take the, for their dreams to, to take the back seat and just to be there for their kids. Like, no, the best thing you can do is to lead by example mm. and show your kids what it takes to reach your goals. Like, my son sees me training every day, you know, like at four, he would drive me out of bed and be like, I have to do my 20 ollies before I go to school. And you're like, okay, that's cool. You know, like, and he's, if you, if you embody drive to your loved ones, they will, they will mirror that drive because they know that it's just what you got to do to reach your goals. And he understood that at an early age, you know, and it's still, so he's, uh, yeah, I know my, my son has become a, uh, he's always been a huge source of inspiration, I think, but now he's really, um, yeah, he's, he's really become a, 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 not only just an inspiration, but a source of strength for me as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you haven't said the word yet, but you know, our children almost serve to your point about setting the example, like they almost make that an obligation, right? Like, you know, yeah. to, to be our best so that they see the best, what the best could be. Right. And, and again, I, I, I honor your point to that you're saying earlier about, you know, being Frenchy 2.0 or whatever, but, you know, uh, I was talking to Joel uh, this week and I was like, you know, this whole thing of, um, wanting, wanting to be like you, someone go, Hey, I want to be like you. And I'm like, no, look, even to my own kids, like, I don't, I don't want anyone to be like me, right? Yeah. I want them to be like them. Yeah. The best version of them, right? Like anything I'm doing, even back to kids for the sake of my kids is like you said, to set an example of seeing where you can go, like where you can take your life. And, and, and it's not come follow my footsteps. It's like, Hey, this is an example of someone that's like you chasing their passions with perseverance in, in, really intentionally living fulfilled, right? Like that's, yeah. that's life right there. And, you know, uh, yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's, it's really about showing my son that, you know, nobody else is going to live your life for you mm -hmm. except you. So, um, it's okay to be selfish. It's not okay to be egocentrical, you know, not the whole, the whole universe doesn't revolve around you, mm -hmm. but it's okay to be dedicated and driven to your own quest you know, and, and dedicated to, to, to your inquest and being driven to reach your goals, you know, that's, that's super important, but it's also, then you have to show the equilibrium, like, okay, I'm going to be there for the people that I love, but I'm not going to forget about self-actualizing as well. Mm -hmm. This way you can walk that, that fine line, you know, and that's, that's where the fruit is, you know, and, uh, but if you, if you go 41 side or the other, well, you either live, <laughs> You live a, a wasted life for yourself or a wasted life for others, you know? So balance it between the two, you know, be there yeah. for the people you love and honor your passions. Well, and it's like, it's, it's this point that I try to explain to people sometimes. It's like, look, man, it's, it's not one thing like to what you're saying. It's, it's not all in and forget everyone else. Yeah. It's not 
like give up on all my dreams to focus on everyone else. It's everything. Like everything matters. There's no one thing. It's everything. It's that yeah. your your social interactions, your support system, as well as your physical health and ability and your emotional health and ability, your spiritual health and ability, right? Like everything. It's not one thing. Unfortunately, you know, there's not the, the one check in the box that's going to make everything happen. It's freaking everything. everything. Well, it's it's life, right? It's like your body. Everything is connected. It's like acupuncture, man. You put a freaking needle in your toe and somehow it releases something <laughs> in your neck. It's the same thing with life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you were you were telling me yesterday if you wouldn't mind sharing uh, similarly the impact of your influence uh, i think you said you had your nephew over visiting or whatever and, you know yeah yeah so i had my my nephew visiting for you know the first time in the u.s and uh spending time with his cousin and he was going to a little summer camp for a week but spent a week before that with uh his cousin and 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 me you know and uh Obviously, I, I spent time with my nephew, you know, on and off for the years, but I never had him. Now he's a 15-year-old kid, and he just spent one-on-one -on -one time with his uncle, right? And uh, I, I'm like, well, shit, what am I going to, you know, what should I do? I got to make it, you know, worth his time in America. It's his first time here. We got to make it a good vacation. I'm like, well, I don't necessarily know what to do, but I'm just going to, he's just going to be on the super Frenchy schedule, you know? I'm just going <laughs> to take him and do what we do. So I took him rock climbing and took him swimming in like glacial lakes and went hiking and did a bunch of stuff, right? And I repeatedly just threw him out of his comfort zone because his, you know, my, my sister is an amazing person, but she's more like the, the um, you know, slight homebody type, you know, she, she's, she likes to, she's a great skier, she likes to... Um, enjoy physical uh, activities as a hobby but she's not necessarily like a super um physically or athletically driven person she's very smart speaks seven languages is an engineer in aeronautics now does aerospatial was three years ahead in school so she's way beyond my intellect i guess i got more like the physical side right and so i just <clears throat> you know he's he's a great kid um not necessarily in like he's you know great tennis player has always been again same thing like um, active in some physical sport, but not super driven by it, right? So definitely on the softer side physically, but really sweet kid, very smart emotionally and mentally. And I just took him on, you know, we threw him off a bridge. He went bungee jumping, you know, he was like, so he really wanted to do it, but he was last second. He was too scared to go. So we just pushed him <laughs> and then, and he fell and I was like, ah! and then he came back up and I was like, oh shit, my sister's going to be pissed. But no, he was like, thank you so much for pushing me. I needed it. That was his words. And like, he's like, I want to go skydiving next time. And it's like, you know, so all this stuff. So I realized that my goal was not to be like the hard uncle. My goal, my goal was to guide him, but kind of let him do his thing at the same time and be like, listen, you're the one in charge right now, you know? And uh, also put myself in his shoes. He's going to visit his uncle in America, who's a professional skier and base jumper. So obviously he probably puts me on like this crazy, weird pedestal, like this crazy, you know, adrenaline guy again or whatever, you know, like the guy was super confident and does everything no matter what. And we had some great conversations and we, anyway, he lost like five kilos or something like that. Like he came home and now he's starting to take rock climbing lessons. He loves rock climbing. It's like, awesome. You know, like my sister was like, wow, you changed his life. That was amazing. You know, I was like, well, I didn't really do anything. I just 
took him along so he could do all the activities that we do. And he did that with his cousin. So you could see his nine-year-old cousin that would just climb around like a little goat and his uncle just took him around. And he was this 15-year-old kid and was not necessarily as um, coordinated in some of those situations, you know, but then he figured it out because he had all the tools, you know, we just, you just needed someone to open the door for him, you know, and, uh, and on, on, we're driving, I was driving him back to the airport, you know, and, um, and in the car is like, he's like, Uncle Matt, that's how he calls me, you know, Uncle Matt, are you, uh, are you, were you ever like not confident? And I'm like, Whoa. I'm like, well, listen, Alessandro, let me just say something right now. Everybody out there is fucking full of shit and fully scared. That's just the way it is. Nobody is 100% confident. We all have insecurities. And I have a ton of insecurities. I had a ton of these growing up. You know, now I'm very comfortable with myself, but there's still a lot of things that I'm not, that I know where I'm super weak. And there are other areas where I know I'm super, you know, that have, you know, strength or extra ability. And um, I'm aware of my strength. I'm aware of my weaknesses. But I'm... I overthink things all the time. I'm, you know, I'm scared of everything, you know, and it's just like I've somehow figured out a way to do all this stuff, you know, and uh, and the cool kid that you see in school who's like acting super confident, well, he's probably the least confident out of everybody. So just put yourself, put, put that through your mind. Like it's, it's nobody is 100% confident. And if they are, it means that they just, they don't have any introspection and they're just living a shallow life, you know? Mm. And, uh, and he's like, oh, wow, really? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm still you know, confident about so many things. But you can practice your confidence in certain areas and it will help you into others. And he's like, all right, okay, thank you, Uncle Matt. You know, and like, oh, <laughs> it, was, it was a cool conversation. You know, it was the first time I could have this. He's not a little kid anymore. He's 15 years old. He's about to become an adult. It was great to... Uh, to have this conversation with him and and you know i didn't do much all i did was just kind of like share with him a different life that he's exposed to you know and uh and it and it it resonated luckily you know but it also takes a special person like some other kids have been like fuck this like that was the worst week of my life you know he put me on like a ladder between rocks with no rope or safety you know no protection i thought i was gonna fall he threw me off like a hundred meter bridge attached to a bungee like he made me dive into like super cold water in the mountains like that guy's a dick i don't want to hang out with him anymore no luckily it resonated so <laughs> you, you would definitely get a different call from your sister than the one that you uh well actually you know i talked to her actually I talked to her again a few days ago and she was like, again, Matthias, thank you so much. Like you did so much for him, like stuff that we would not do as parents that we don't do. Yeah. And we're not able to expose him to that. Like, because that's not necessarily what we do, but now that we know what to do, we, yeah, we can encourage it though. You know? So they signed him up for rock climbing lesson. He's starting September 10th, like, like a sketch through the French Alpine club. And which is awesome. You know, he's, this is, I mean, rock climbing is one of the best activities you can do. It helps you physically, uh, mentally helps you to calm down under stressful situations. And you, you know, when you're fucking scared rock climbing, you get to actually slow down. And that's a great skill in life. You know, when things are overwhelming, just take a deep breath and slow down and take a step back and just whew, assess the situation so you can power through. And yeah, I'm so, I'm really, I'm so happy that that was helpful for him, but I'm really curious to see what he's gonna, what his future is gonna look like now that he experienced <laughs> all that and that he's applying his, focus on certain areas but you know like it's already a great 
very skilled person. Like he's an he's an amazing artist. He draws super well. He's super smart. Um, you know, he is already trilingual. He speaks French, Italian, English. So it's mm -hmm. like well versed person. You know, and it's just more like the physical side. He didn't really explore the way, but I think he always had that desire inside of him. He just never explored that in a way and linked his physical with his mental. And I think that's that's what we're able to um to trigger i guess for him on that on that on that side and on that on his little trip in the u.s yeah. and a week together so it was well, i love it and, and that's what i love about you and your story which is you know like we've been talking about you know recently is that this misconception that someone watches someone like you and they go man he's everything that i'm not it's like no <laughs> no man he's everything that you are he's just taking it on differently and you can too, right? Like you are, you know who you want to be. And despite the the fears, the critics, you know, whatever, like you're on a mission, you know, like, yeah. like the quote you mentioned in the Legionnaires earlier, like you're on a mission and you're not letting fear prevent you from going after that. And, and that's not just you. That's everyone has those fears and those doubts and those, that lack of confidence or, you know, I'll say also like the lack of conforming, right? Like we, we mentioned lightly today, like the mediocrity, right? Peace. And, yeah. and there's this element today, especially that, you know, people like there's so much mediocrity, people almost fear like, oh, or fear like non-conforming with the herd, you know, of mediocrity and stepping out and being more and right. Like there, there's that. Well, yeah, I think it's, um, there's, there's, there's two sides to this. Um, let me try to gather my thoughts. First, it's, it's also a negative connotation, I think, with not sticking with the herd because there's, especially in America right now, because you have so many like extreme polarizing movements that if you don't stick with the herd, it means that you're going against the herd and it means that you, you know, all of a sudden you're just very fanatical about something which comes in a negative way. You know, so people are afraid to take a stance, mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, taking a stance doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be like this whole, like, you know, I mean, I'm trying to not get political here, but you know, it's like, you're going to fall into one side or the other, or all of a sudden, you know, you, you, yeah, you stand up for something and you kind of go against the grain and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you're a MAGA guy. It's like, well, no, it's not like, you know, like, I've, you know, it's, 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 it's not necessarily this way, but at the same time, it's, if you don't, it's the old quote, right? If you don't, if you don't stand up for anything, you stand up for nothing, you know? And, and if you have an opinion and if you're driven about something, it's going to be polarizing, you know, and, but don't take that personally. It's because your duty is actually to educate people. And if they still polarizing and still don't understand you, then it's just because maybe they, their insecurities are, 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 are so their self projection is so strong that you won't be able to solve that for them, you know, yeah. but at least you, you shared as much as you could. And, and I think that obviously with great risk always comes great rewards. I mean, not always, if you fail, you won't have anything, right. But the, in order to get great rewards, you get to take great risk. But at the same time, it's not a given that you'll have the great rewards. Right. But if you live a life of predictability and you just try to, do whatever seems to be right by the book, it's going to result only in two things, mediocrity and existential frustration. Mm. And that's something that even at the age of nine years old that I was not willing to accept in my life. It's like, I'm not going to live my life like that. This is a waste of a life. 
It is a yeah. fucking waste, you know. And uh, you know, man, it's it's it's. You know, I'm not a religious person either. You know, like I, I'm, I'm not saying like God exists. I'm not saying he doesn't exist. Like, we don't know. You know, it's like whatever. You know, all this stuff is just beyond you. Like everybody tells you, hey, I'll talk to you guys. Well, they, they full of shit. They're just like picturing this. But another person is just like, well, you know, God doesn't exist. Well, we, we, we don't know. You know, like we might be just a little like Adam in like the toilet seat of a God. We don't know. Like the, the universe is so big. Like we might be a social experiment of some alien species. We don't know any of that <laughs> stuff. And that's why you call God, you know, this guy who created you and put you in a cage to, you know, study. Me. Oh, let's throw a little COVID in there and see. Mm, interesting. This is how they react. <laughs> Note that, guys. Don't do this, right? You know, like they fucked it up. We can't do this. You know, like that might be all we are. But all this we don't know because it's it's beyond our human our human form, right? And uh, uh, I just started drifting. I don't even know what I'm going with this ever again. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's yeah, um, yeah. I don't remember. Oh man! It, but it's well. I guess yeah. what you're saying is there. There's not necessarily any right or wrong, but yeah. if you're not going, if you're not following your passions, that's wrong. Like yeah, you know, yeah. you know exactly. what I mean, like. There, there's no there sometimes there's a, a right and right but um you know as far as like you know chasing your passions is just something there there's there yeah man it, and i guess to your point you were talking about risk and reward right like and that's that's that like a part of the risk is going against the tide right like it, the the folks self-reflection on you not towing the line and just going with what the norms are there's going to be push and but that's a part of the test of i think you were saying this earlier right it's a part of it's it's a part of the test it's a for test your desire exactly. yeah testing your dedication yeah like you said and that's one of the things that i that i when i woke up in the hospital after my big crash you know and get out of the coma i'm trying to get home with my son and then i wake up and my my mom is there i'm like oh, damn i gotta deal with this you know like like, I don't want to have all this negative stuff around me, you know. And uh, and then I, do, I did question for a couple of days whether I should keep pursuing my vacation or, or at least the specific goals. But then once the fog kind of dissipated a little bit and, you know, coming out of the coma, you're not super sharp. But actually, I had one of the biggest moments of clarity because when I got out of the coma, I was like, well, technically, this is what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. By accepting the risk, you're accepting the success or the potential glory or whatever you see through that or experience through reaching your achievement but you still have to accept failing which in my world means being crippled for life or being really physically maimed or dying and right there it's like well that's what it is in itself right now you laying in this hospital bed in this situation with a brain that's bleeding and a broken femur right before your son is about to be born this is actually that's what you signed up for mm. It is a test of your dedication in itself. So do you have what it takes to get back on your feet? And that's that's when your ethos is super important. Like why are you doing this? Your why, the strength of your why will determine whether you get back on your feet or not. Yeah. And for me, you know, my sister was there and she, middle sister, she's the twin sister of her sister who passed, you know, and she said something that resonates so deeply with me because she said, you know, you crashed and you're in horrible shape right now and you got to get home to your son is about to be born, but you're honoring your sister by living intentionally. Mm. And these were the words I needed to hear at that time because that resonated so deep in me because this is what, it's not what started the quest, but that's what triggered the commitments, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, that's it. You know, this is what I signed up for. And uh, I'm 
I'm really messed up right now, but it's intention. I, I'm living with intention and intentions comes with collateral damage. Yeah. Well, in, in you were mentioned earlier, right? Like when you take the risks and, and without risk reward and sure you might fail and whatever, but as you were saying that as well, I was thinking like, but there's value in failure too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. right. Like those are where you're going to learn your greatest lessons, you know, as, as with here, you know, you know, you could say, Hey, I crashed in the mountain. That was a, that was a big failure. Like, but look how much, the value you came away from that with was that reassurance to your why, your commitment. Yeah. Like that, well, despite I, that, you're still pursuing. Exactly, and I think this can be applied to obviously any environment. Look at in the world of business, for example, you do a product launch and you you launch this product and you 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 botch a part of the the the, the product launch system, you know, or 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 you mess up on your marketing four Ps, you know, product, price, place, promotion. Like the product is sick, you have the promotion is amazing. You have the point of sale, but you priced it too high and the thing freaking tank, you know, and then all of a sudden that's super valuable right there. You probably had mm -hmm. one of the best performing products on the market, but your sales were affected by the fact that you priced the product wrong. Well, then learn from that. And the next product launch you do will be on point and that's okay. Yeah. And this, so yeah. this tremendous, and then you might become a market leader, you know, and, but becoming a market leader could not have happened without this failure. Yeah. And for me, ski base coming from the top of Mont Blanc could have not happened if I didn't crash, you know, mm -hmm. six years prior into the clip, because I learned so much about the mental approach, the physical approach, how to actually um, check off all the boxes to be able to reach my goal. And I might have been able to pull off Mont Blanc, but I, I think I would have pulled that off in a very unsafe manner. You know, it was not a jump for explosiveness. It was a jump uh, that needed to be approached with a very poised and solid attitude mm. you know it wasn't a it wasn't a jump of exuberance it was a jump of consistency and that was important oh my gopro just turned off <laughs> <laughs> that's our that's our warning man well no i know you got to go get on with your day but real quick before we wrap up like so what are you working on now what what's uh what's hot what's what's the next big uh so i'm flying to the Alps in five days. Um, I get to do a couple media things. And then uh, um, I just got a new wingsuit, which is what I'm training with right now. I'm putting in my time finally. And there's a couple beautiful flights I want to do in the Alps uh, back at home. Then I'm going to a, a, GoPro, a GoPro event um, for the athletes in uh, Interlaken in Switzerland. So that's going to be super fun and uh, really exciting then. I'm going to spend my birthday at home in the Alps in front of Mont Blanc. And, uh, and then after that, I got uh, you know, several days of, of flying my, my, my wingsuit in the Alps and then, and then come back. Uh, yeah. September 30th. So I'll, I'll have like three weeks in the Alps and uh, just go back to the homeland and work on projects. And uh, then after that, getting ready for winter, um, I got several, um, first descents that I'm trying to do in first ski base jumps in the Alps. I'm very daring ones. And I'm trying to, hopefully uh, by fall 2023, uh, break another world record. So uh, I got a full plate right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. And, and also I know you're booking speaking engagements. You've got Adrenaline Socks, like quick. Yeah, exactly. So I just finished a new documentary called Adrenaline Socks. Right now it's being submitted to film festivals. It's not going to be uh, available for uh, viewing outside of film festivals. And um, but it will be available through speaking engagements. So I'm going on a Adrenaline Sucks speaking tour. And uh, yeah, showing the movie, sharing some of the lessons, sharing some of the journey, the steps along the way, the, the, the glorious and glamorous ones, but also the more 
vulnerable and I guess more shameful parts of it too, you know, like showing the human journey. Yeah. And then uh, we can have a conversation about that, you know. So and, and who who is that kind of ideal for? Who would who would be ideally someone that's for that, the Adrenaline Sucks tour? For uh, the speaking the speaking engagements, right? Uh, like who, engagements. So I just finished one for a company called HSD Pathways, that is a, a software uh, company within the medical uh, uh, medical world. Um, and uh, so it could be corporate, you know, gigs. I have you know I've done some for you know Nike or. Uh, um, cloud computing companies, you know, I do one for, for NetApp, things like that. Uh, I've done things like TEDx Berkeley, things like that, but also do some private things. So we're going to do some books, some theaters, uh, uh, speaking engagements in convention centers. And, and, you know, so anybody from the outdoor world or more like the outside of the, the private kind of speaking engagements, people can, can come in and, you know, get a ticket and come and watch the movie and hear the talk and throwing their questions and ideas. And so we can exchange, you know, it's that's, that's the idea is for me to not just show what I'm doing is to hope, trigger um, interesting conversations for uh, people to express their ideas. And, and for me also to learn, you know, from people that are watching all this stuff, you know, yeah. it's my, my whole goal with this is to share my journey constructively to not only just entertain, not only just inspire, but hopefully empower people to reach their own goals. And then they can also empower somebody else. You know, it's, it's, I guess that's part of the mentorship program. You know, I guess right. that's, uh, I'm trying. So we go on the Adrenaline Sucks tour, which is going to be, uh, taking part between October and February, you know, October 2022 and, and February 2023. After that, I got to go, you know, back to the Alps and do a lot of my mountaineering projects. And uh, and spring and summer, people don't want to go and be locked inside and watch a movie and listen to a talk. They want to do that more in the fall and the winter, you know, when yeah. the weather may be not as enjoyable outside. So, yeah, I'm working on this right now. And then I'm, uh, yeah, uh, also talking with a few companies right now that could hopefully, you know, help reach my, my goals and objectives athletically. I'm uh, currently talking with a few brands to uh, hopefully get a title sponsor. Uh, so a brand featuring my parachute and my headwear exclusively. Uh, and, uh, yes, I can expand my sponsorship portfolio to be able to reach my goals. And, uh, but no matter what, these goals are going to happen, no matter what, it's just always, uh, easier when you can have a company you want to align with your goals, you know? Yeah. So that's what I'm working on right now. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, everything is a stepping stone to everything and the quest never ends. So you got to keep going, you know, and you'll have time to chill when you're dead. Yeah, absolutely. Where you sleep when you're dead. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I love it, bro. Well, hey, man, I, again, and real quick, where can people find you? Oh, so, um, yeah, I guess the three most efficient ways is obviously Instagram, Super Frenchie Official, uh, Super Frenchie Official as well on Facebook, and uh, Super Frenchie, IE at the end, uh, dot com. That's my website. And you can reach me there or book a speaking engagement or, you know, if you want to, Feature adrenaline sucks for your events or your company event or, or do an event together, then uh, we can do that with a, um, we can organize an event with my manager or tour manager and, and figure it out. And uh, that's it. Yeah. So you can get a hold of me and uh, yeah, uh, info at superfrenchy.com is a good email. Or you can email my, my manager, Carlos at superfrenchy.com. That's it. <laughs> I love it, man. Hey, well, dude, it's been an honor to have you on. I appreciate everything you've given us. It, I mean, it is it is that, man. It's super empowering, man. I, I love your story. I appreciate you sharing, you know, the experience and the takeaways and super or not, man. You're perfectly human, but going after doing <laughs> your thing, man. And that that's 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 what I love about you and 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 keep keep doing it. Man. 
it's yeah uh, thank you appreciate it it was a great opportunity to, yeah be on your your podcast and exchange ideas and i love yeah, hearing your thoughts and uh yeah it's always great to um exchange uh ideas of how to live intentionally and constructively with a, a person who's achieved that in a different field and uh, thank you so much for the opportunity okay man thank you we'll talk again real soon all right see ya. Uh-huh.